So this is the Rock Bottom to Recovery podcast. Uh, my name is Shane Johnson. My name is Bill Farrell. And we are recording live uh, from HCAM in Holbrook, Massachusetts. Yeah. If you guys uh, ever want to call in or you guys have questions, there's a one eight 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 number. It's 888-415-9139. Okay, there's the first glitch in our uh, podcast. It doesn't matter. We're not perfect. 1-888-415-9139. That goes to you. It goes to my cell phone. You're going to um, get Shane. And if you Damn if you wanted to email either one of us, my email is shanej535 at gmail.com. Um. Yeah, I don't. And have we'll get Bill. We'll yet. get Bill an email. But we'll get you one. But do I, people actually email anymore? I, yes, they do. Yeah, it's All a right. very common thing. Rock bottom to recovery is a podcast. Um, I, I actually got the idea from a friend that had the Sobriety Network podcast in New York, and I had asked him, you know, how do you do it? And I was having complications trying to do it. I'm not very computer savvy, but I have a passion for helping others. Um, I've had that same passion ever since I got sober. Um, September 28th, 2010. Um, so I reached out to Bill, and of course, Bill has like a, you know so many different types of connections. And um, he said, absolutely, we'll get it going. And um, so the Rock Bottom to Recovery podcast is going to be informational. It's going to be inspirational. It is going to um, allow people to peer inside of the drug treatment world, um, you know, the, the religious side of things, the controversial things. Uh, we're going to talk about the marijuana bill that passed in Massachusetts. We're going to talk about the difference between religion and spirituality, you know, why some are even opposed to bringing yoga into, into schools um, where they're calling it, you know, too close to religion. Um, we are going to try to touch on a lot of things. Um, we are going to try to guide you. Uh, in any direction that you're seeking because in recovery, you, you're in recovery when you say you are. There are many pathways to recovery. Um, this is going to be a non-judgmental podcast. Um, like I say, it's going to be informational. And uh, hopefully we can um, help you guys and allow you guys to you know, you know, get the help that you need or, or reach out to the right person that you need to speak with. Yeah, and I'd add to that, like, uh, re as we learn in that, there's all different roads to recovery. Um, what works for one person might not work for another. And um, so, I mean, that's, that's really basically what this comes down to is education, educating us and trying to educate you guys. So we really want to um, – <clears throat> we'd love some feedback. We'd love people to give us a call and say, hey, that's, that doesn't work, but let's do it respectfully. Um, let that's, I think that would be huge, you know, just because it works for you or it doesn't work for me or whatever. Let's just try to be respectful about it. The idea is to educate as many people, um, as we can, um, through people's experiences, um, because you can't, um, you can't fake someone's, uh, um, testimony or, or, or whatever it is, right? The recovery. If it works for you, it works for you. Um, but, um, uh, we want to try to get as many, um, um, speakers as we can and we'll, we'll be using this um, as as you can see right now we have this this calming um, calming ocean background ocean background and if yes. you don't notice the rest of the room is white but there is a black background behind us um, Zach uh, gracefully informed us that it is called an accent wall 
accent. Yes. So uh, that is a, a very technical term at HCAM for uh, and our producer is the one who put us on to that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that what I want to touch on what Bill was saying is that we're creating a platform for discussion. It's not a platform for judgment. It's not a platform for one-sided opinion. It, it is a platform of um, I'm drawing. It's a platform of discussion. Yeah. And um, it, it that is so important because if you're having open dialogue and you're having open discussion with one another, um, communication is is unbelievable because that's when you can connect friend to friend, parent to child, parent to parent. Um, we're going to touch on enabling. We're gonna. I mean, there are so many different aspects to uh, spiritual sickness and, and addiction struggles and rock bottom. You know what one's rock bottom looks like is different from another's rock bottom. Um, but sometimes your recovery can both look the same and different. Um, so we're going to. I guess the introduction right now. We're going to introduce ourselves <coughs> by asking one another a series of questions. I don't know how you want to do a bill. Do you want to go back and forth? Um, you know, one for one, or do you want to? Um, we're winging it. We've never done a podcast before, so there'll probably be a lot of mistakes, but that's all right. That's the introduction. That's it. So, yeah, uh, yeah so this actually, this first podcast, the, one of the reasons we're going live is because we actually want, you know, obviously many people to um, to tune in or whatever to the podcast, um, to reach out, to do whatever it is. So we're going live today, but we're not going to be um, going live all the time. So, um, um but what I, I just wanted, before we get started, so actually, let me, um, so today was just more of an introduction, who I am, who Shane is, maybe how we got here to this point. Um, Where you got those glasses from. Oh, yeah, my glasses, which uh, uh, belong to my wife. These are my reading glasses, so um, if she watches it, she'll probably make uh, some type of a... Um, they have a nice flowery decor <laughs> on the edges of them. Ooh, look it, there's my flowery decor. So... Um, but um, I couldn't find mine. And I know she was here. She'd comment, I just bought you three. They're around. I'm not going to lie. I'm just but, worried about your wife and if she needs glasses today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody did comment on my iced tea. so uh, It's homemade. <clears throat> yeah. Keeps the vocal cords, uh, what? Um, greased. I would. <sighs> greased. Um, but uh, the other thing, too, with this podcast is we're going to um, keep it short. We'll keep it about a half hour, give or take. Depending on our guest speakers, it might just go a little bit long, but it's definitely going to be under the hour for sure, right? Absolutely. So um, so let's get into the questions. All right. So uh, before we get started, though, I just pulled these um, statistics off of the Internet this morning. And this comes from the um, uh, Massachusetts Department of Public Health. So glasses are on. Oh, look at that. I can see everything. That's fantastic. So just in the last three years, uh, opiate-related deaths, unintentional, undetermined. Um, so estimated. This is estimated. Um, there, in 2014, there was 1,321. Estimated at 1,379. 2015, obviously it jumped uh, to 1,597. Estimated at 1,751. Um, and uh, last year was uh, 1,465 and estimated 1,979. Um, so I thought that was huge. That's, as you can see, it's spiking. And that, that shouldn't be shocking to anybody because you read it, you hear about it every day, you read about it every day. Um, so that's why we're here. Um, but 
personally, three months ago, I lost one of my closest friends. Yeah. I got, uh, I got sober with, and um, it was absolutely devastating. You know, uh, sometimes you become so jaded with, you know, this person's lost, that person's lost, this person's lost, overdose, overdose, overdose. But then the circle gets tighter, and then when it, it, it strikes personally, you know, it's the pain all over again. And it's the confusion and the questions to why. And you, you literally feel like lashing out at everyone. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully we can find a way to curb this. I know we can't find a way to stop it, but we can find a way to curb this. And, and here's something controversial. You got one side of the, um, one side of the universe saying absolutely not. And the other side of the universe saying yes to some of these medical facilities that they have in other countries where you can go and freely use clean heroin in front of, um, you know, uh, doctors and nurses and things like that. So Portugal uh, their fourth, their, their fourth biggest problem in their country at one point was heroin. Um, they initiated some of these facilities, and now it's their twenty-first on a national level. Their twenty-first biggest problem on a national level, which I, you know, I, I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but you, you sometimes look at those things and you look at those numbers on a national level, and you wonder if we're doing enough. You're wondering if what we're doing is the exact answer or that we have to add and implement certain things that sometimes can be controversial. Um, but at the same time, you know, men lie, you know, women lie, numbers don't. Yeah. And, and when you jump from fourth biggest problem to 21st, um, to me that is some type of success rate. Well, you know, it's, I looked at the, uh, the CDC because I was just kind of curious, like in, a, uh, in an epidemic or an outbreak or something like that, how they handled those situations because they'd be all over it. They actually have a specialized team that jumps right in. So so let's uh, SARS or the bird flu or all those things. And, I mean, we're up to, like, estimated 1,900 people died in Massachusetts alone. I mean, right. where's our special team yeah. to jump in and address this? Um, you know, and I know that people are working all over the state. Uh, the politicians are working, and, and they have done a lot of work. So we need to recognize that. Pharmaceutical companies now are being, um, um, you know, they're, they're— Scrutinized and Yeah, charged. scrutinized. And, but, I mean, we still continue to lose so many people. But we're going to get into that. Let's just stay focused here real quick. Let's introduce ourselves again. So— um, I only have a 12th grade education, so when Shane said, I dropped, hey, out, I dropped out in the 11th grade and got my oh, GD. Hey, so. well, hey, you know, first uh, positive thing for me this time around is I'm, I'm doing better than Shane in education. <laughs> uh, but that's, uh, but that's, uh, that's just, uh, what, a public school education. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you, as we continue on, you listen to this podcast, this, this man across from me is just filled with all kinds of wisdom and and uh and i have so. to say the same for you it was shocking because when i when i met bill um my my recovery uh started with um aa and it started with a halfway house and a detox bill's recovery um started off uh, if if i can say this with pretty much you just stopped and and what you told me you were like i don't suggest that for anyone but when <laughs> i met true. you you were very and still continue to be active um in, within your church within your parish and um 
And then when you told me that you know, like I haven't I haven't drank in over you know I think at the time it was twenty five years or something like that. Yeah, like so that. so uh, to to shorten what I'm gonna say is that both both Bill and I are in recovery from from substance abuse or substance use I should say. Sam, yeah. Samsa wants us to say substance use. Substance but use. I'll tell you right now, as a alcoholic and addict, I abused every single drug and <laughs> and, and, and and I and bottle of liquor <laughs> I've ever touched. You know there was no one bottle of beer at a bar. It was you start off with two, or you start off with three Long Islands just to get the night going. Yeah. So, uh, so you uh, substance used a lot of different things. Correct? Yeah, I, I substantially used a lot of <laughs> drugs funny. that I abused. Yeah. So, um, and, and so my name is Shane Johnson. Once again, I am a recovering alcoholic and addict. Um, my sobriety date is September twenty eighth, two thousand and ten. Um, and Bill Farrell. Um. My actual um, recovery date is September. Didn't realize we had the same month, uh, 1987. And I already know some people out there are probably going to go, I wasn't even born yet. Great. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. I was that. four. He was four. <laughs> I'm 33 now. So. <laughs> He's 33 now. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, so just on that note, like um, I did, I actually quit while I was in the Marine Corps. And um, how I did it, I honestly don't know, but I know I was getting into a lot of trouble. And, um, you know, had to go to rehab a couple times. And, um, you know, at some point in that uh, period, I just thought, hey, uh, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to end up getting myself killed. I'm going to get thrown out of the Marine Corps, something along that line. So I just decided to quit. And um, two things happened when I quit. I realized who I could hang around with and who I couldn't. Um, Unfortunately, and, um, you know, um, the ones that I could hang around with were the ones that were fine with it. And it actually turned I'd like to say they were fine with it because um, they cared about me, but they were fine with it because at, at that moment in time, um, they had somebody who could drive and, uh, you know, and be sober and stuff. So um, I guess those friends know how to utilize the people around them. So um, and then uh, obviously others just didn't get it. They didn't understand that I just. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I didn't do an AA program, as Shane was just saying earlier. Um, <clears throat> I, um, you know, I, I didn't do any program, but I definitely would not recommend that. Um, I think I just kind of prolonged the process. I was able to quit. Uh, I wasn't even 21 when I quit. Um, so, um, but, you know, um, I realized later, uh, for me personally, and I got to stress this, uh, the higher power was really, really huge, um, of course, um, we'll get into that at a later at a later show and everything. So, so, so let me ask you: you you talk about you know just quitting. Yeah. Uh, so that was you you know at some point before you were twenty one, you had hit your rock bottom. Where was the stopping point in your life with alcohol, and how did you reach that? Um, well, like I said, I was getting into trouble. Um, I was doing crazy stuff. I'd wake up in the morning, I wouldn't remember what I did the night before. I was starting fights with very very big people. And uh, that's obviously not healthy uh, when uh, you don't know how to fight. So, um, uh, but I was just doing, you know, it was I was doing just stupid stuff, and um, I literally was going to get myself killed. I was going to seriously get myself into trouble or get somebody else killed. And obviously, I didn't want to do that because I like to live. So, um, um, 
Yeah, I, honestly, I don't even, like, I don't know, necessarily know if I completely hit my rock bottom, but I do remember uh, waking up a few mornings and just feeling like I was going to kind of lose it, probably Duke to hangover, and um, and then if I was drinking, I would try anything. So I, I, I would say this, I would say that if um, um, Oxys were um, around in my generation, I, I talked to a few of the friends I grew up with, um, if it was around in our generation, we I'd probably be dead. Uh, because I, I would definitely be, um, you know, an addict. So, um, what's that? I was saying with, with <coughs> questions. Oh, should... okay. Sorry, Shane was uh, writing something and I, I couldn't read it. Just so little notes. Just little notes. So, um, yeah. So I had some questions that I pulled off. So let's let's we'll jump back into it. So I, I these are just some questions. And so, uh, what is your best childhood memory, Shane? Uh, my best childhood memory, I, you know, it, I would I would just have to say like certain certain little things like uh, you know I gr- I grew up very poor, but my mom made the best of th- best of certain situations like uh, she created a fireplace out of um, you remember the old um, white shades that you used to pull down and they'd roll back up fast yeah. if you clicked on them, so like my mother drew drew a fireplace she drew like logs and a burning and we actually used that every single christmas for about 15 years it was the same one and we all created it down the basement and i i just remember those certain specific um things that my mother would do um she would make the best out of any situation um and we were a very tight family it was me and me and my um three other sisters yeah and, and i i grew up with just a house full of women and um you know, there were certain things in, in between, and we can touch on that later. But um, that was probably one of the best memories that I've had. Um, <laughs> thanks for <laughs> jogging that out of me. But <laughs> that was – my mother is an amazing person, and she is very creative, and she's very inspiring. And she is probably – usually when I'm speaking in, in high school, I can still hear my mother talking in the back of my head. And it's almost like I'm, I'm speaking to people through my mom. Yeah, that's pretty good. So um, – so you, so you, uh, so you're associated with an organization called Holbrook Cares. Can you tell me a little about that and what made you want to help out? So um, Holbrook Cares started. Um, I I wanted just like over two years ago, and what happened was we were losing a lot of people in Holbrook, and uh, someone um, actually I think it was. Um, uh, somebody said, "Let's we have to have a meeting. We have to address this. Uh, we're losing too many people." Um, and uh, if I remember correctly, I think that was Michael Han, and um, and then uh, Terry Grisbensky, um, another uh, friend of mine, um, decided let's have a meeting. We decided we'd do it at the hall uh, in the church, and they called me to help um, set it up. So I did. I went down. I set it up, and people came, and we really had no idea what we were doing, but. <clears throat> Um, from that meeting, a uh, little group of people began to form, and over a period of time, we started to realize um, that um, we needed to educate ourselves. And actually, what I was going to say was that I, I set that up, uh, but being there at that meeting, I realized that there was definitely a, a need to help um, the community. So I think I think I actually threw my cell phone number up on the board as just a starting point. Like, if anybody had any questions or, or contact, let's put that up there. So we did that. And then, like I said, that group began to form, and uh, we began to educate ourselves um, on addiction because we didn't know a lot. Uh, but what we did know that it was um, personal to us, and everybody that's involved has been personally touched. 
um, by the opiate addiction. And just basically from there, it's a, an, an amazing group of women. And uh, we're definitely going to have them in here to talk and, and just to see where we've come from, from that time to now. And now you have the drop-in center. We have the drop-in in center. In Holbrook, Massachusetts. In Holbrook, Massachusetts. And that runs um, on, um, uh, I had that written down. And I know I'm going to mess it up, but somebody can probably message that. It's like the... Um, we can put it in the later show. Yeah, we Monday. absolutely we will because it's like the um, second. Um, is it Monday? I think I, I should know this. I should know this. How about, uh, my an, apologies. Ad, how about an address at least? So well, it's at the uh, Brookville Baptist Church. There you go. But you can go to Holbrook Cares um, Facebook page and you can look that up. And so we 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 have a drop in center. Avon has a drop in center. Oh. See, this is why Zach rocks. Zach's an awesome producer. So um, it's the second Monday of every month, the second Monday of every month, 6 to 8 p.m. Um, and it is at the Brookville uh, Baptist Church, and uh, which is 871 South Franklin Street. So if you need help uh, with addiction, there's all kinds of resources there. Please stop in. And um, thanks, Zach. <clears throat> because uh, we're here. We had to help. So... Um, you want another question, Shane? Yes. <sighs> Let's see. What is your favorite music? Let's keep it light. My favorite. <laughs> so my favorite music is is hip hop. Hip hop. And uh, I just have always identified um, with, uh, you know, a lot a lot of the music that I identify with is is pain, is is depression, is uh, coming from absolutely nothing and trying to make something out of myself. And then I would say my second favorite, which is sometimes maybe it's controversial or, or contradicts itself, is is Christian music. Yeah. Um, but that hasn't, you know, that wasn't something until um, this year, or I'd say about a year and a half ago, um, where I, you know, I, you know, so f for about four and a half years of my recovery, I was, you know, I believed in God. Uh, I was dead set against religion. Uh, it, for me, it was too organized, too structured, don't tell me what to do, that type of attitude. But I did have some type of faith in God, um, and I have. I, I've been praying to God ever since I got sober, and, and the number one prayer that I still use to this day, and it was the first prayer that I used when I got clean, was, God, whatever you are, whoever you are, I need help. And it became my mantra. Uh, it, it absolutely saved my life. So I'd say, yeah, Christian music is, is you know, hip-hop and then Christian music. And, and sometimes um, uh, hip-hop Christian music is, is awesome, too. What? I absolutely love it. It's inspirational. What? It gets me fired up. Um, Christian hip-hop music, Shane, stop. Yeah. There's no such thing, is there? Oh, there is. There absolutely <laughs> is. <laughs> so, so um you know, we're both parents, um, and as a parent, particularly a father, what advice would you give uh, young men with a child or children struggling with alcohol and drugs and uh, trying to balance that of being a father? Um, educate yourself. Educate. Do whatever you can to educate yourself. Um, if if they're currently struggling, um, I, I, I'm an Al-Anon meeting. I mean, we have to kind of go back to what we know. Or uh, learn to cope. Learn to cope. Learn to cope is another great one. There are a lot of great resources out there. I would say do not hesitate to reach out. Because as you know, and as everybody knows, there's a, there's a stigma. Um, we're kind of shamed. We feel guilty or whatever. We feel like we've done something wrong. Um my parents were phenomenal. My my father didn't drink. He was in an AA for a long time. Um, I don't remember, but my, my mother didn't drink. 
but you know, kids are kids and we're going to try everything. And so, um, there shouldn't be any guilt in it. Um, I think you just have to reach out, you know, I mean, one of those things like not to promote, but that drop-in center, mm. you know, come to the drop-in center, ask your questions message us, you know, here's the number again, one eight 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 four one five nine one three nine. reach out, ask a question. And um, another major thing as a, as a parent, um, and the best piece of advice I can give you is do not quit. Uh, I'll tell you right now, uh, I had a break from my daughter. Um, When she was one, I lost her. Um, I wasn't, you know, I'd get her. I was a weekend warrior with her, you know, but I was still high. And so I I didn't get clean until she was about three years old. Uh, And and I can remember, I can remember at times like just dragging her on train stations so I could go to my dealer or driving from where I lived in Taunton to my dealers in Lynn and and uh, there were there were some horrible things in between. I you know I I had taken her out to Lynn one time so I could go get cocaine, and um and she's crying and and at the time we didn't know that my daughter was deaf in one ear, um and, and so I I drive out to Lynn and she's crying and 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 I'm like Sadie what I'm like what and I couldn't understand what she was saying and and she was still crying. So about three hours into the trip, we get back to Braintree finally. I pull over and, and uh. I get emotional when I tell this story, but my daughter had had pissed her pants. Mm-hmm. She had she had pissed her diaper, pissed through a seat, and she was she was soaking wet in urine. And I had no diapers with me, and um, I took the diaper off, and I took my shirt off, and I, I made a makeshift diaper out of my shirt. That was yeah. about as good as things got as a parent. And so, um, thank God, thank God, I got I got clean. Um, but I still, I still didn't, didn't earn the right to be a father yet. My daughter's mother um, looks at being a parent as a privilege. Sometimes I look at it as a right, but it is a privilege. You have to do certain work in order to get to do things that you 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 got to do things in order to get to do things. Yeah. You know, there's the got to dos and the get to dos, and that is a major one for me. Um, and I had to earn the right to be a father again. Um, and so. What I tell people is even though you might be comfortable not having your child around, and I know that sounds so controversial, but trust me, it does get comfortable because when you do have your daughter or, or son, it's stressful. Yeah. Being a parent, there's no easy easy handbook, but what happens is you get comfortable, and then you get comfortable with quitting being a parent. So the best thing I could tell you is do not quit being a parent because the one that really suffers, yes, you'll it'll bother you, but your child suffers. Trust me, like I, I went through it myself, um, and I, it's not something that I ever plan on doing to my daughter again one day at a time. And just maybe um, show up. Show up. Show up. You ever hear that saying, um, uh, presence, not presence? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's uh, great. It's true, because they don't um, care if you're rich or poor. They just want you around. Just to, to, to go on that, that parenting thing, did you feel like there was a um, um, just a sense of guilt that just because you weren't uh, yeah. present? it yeah. always sat with me. I cried. Yeah. I cried. So, I, I you know, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm drinking yeah. and I'm using. I, so a, a perfect story is I, was, um, I had to go to court to to get my daughter and uh what i didn't know was that i was actually being it wasn't court to get my daughter it was actually being served a restraining order but the restraining order had condition i could start seeing my daughter as soon as i passed the drug test so i walk in there didn't know i was being served this restraining order and um they said well mr johnson if if you can pass this urine we can we can move forward and i go uh <laughs> i have no lawyer and no job at the time i said uh, i don't feel properly represented so i'm gonna wait to go talk to my lawyer and so what happened was that they gave me another case about six months later and i still walked in there without a lawyer 
So <laughs> yeah, there was always there was always guilt, and there's still guilt. Yeah, um, now I I don't have as much guilt, um, but at the same time, there are certain things that I've lost the privilege of, which is having my daughter full time with me. So would you um, just so would the guilt keep you into that downward spiral? Like because you know, like yeah, I use you know it as an excuse to use, yeah, an excuse to drink. You feel um, guilty because you're not there and re- you're not doing what you're yeah, supposed to be doing, I, I so you just kind of stay into it. Yeah, there was one time I, I felt justified in smoking crack because my daughter's mother was yelling at me about my parenting. Yeah, you know, I said I'm gonna I'm gonna show you, and I smoked crack <laughs> yeah. for the first time that night. That was uh, yeah, I I, <laughs> I taught her a lesson. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, so uh, the the other thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, what is so the one thing that we try to give back. I remember coming out of detox and telling myself that I want to do what these guys just walked in doing. Like they were putting on commitments and they had given me hope. And I remember walking out saying, I want to do that same exact thing. I had no clue what the path looked like, but that was my goal was yeah. to give back. So what is what is your definition of hope? Uh, man, Shane, why? Uh... Why are you hitting me with some of these things, man? Hope. I I I just say like um, yeah. I just say like um. Jeez, <clears throat> uh, that's a good one. I wasn't expecting hope, because that gets deep. Um, so for me, honestly, what it gets back to is my faith. Um, the faith that um, I'm not alone, and um, and honestly, um, that I am uh, loved just the way I am and all my faults. Um, and so with that, um, you know, I know that there's um, always something good that's going to come out of everything, and that's what I try to I try to focus on. No matter how tragic it is, um, yeah, I mean, it just, uh, it just, it, uh, it, I don't know. Well, because I, I see you, uh, you're constantly doing something for others. And and obviously it shows in your your life because every time I see you, you're always smiling. You're like, "What's up, brother?" And yeah. I mean, you do so many different things. Like one of them, I and and I wrote this down is that you know, you do a lot of things for veterans. Yeah. Um, and, and and can you tell us a little about that? Because that when I look at you, it, you know, I know that you were kind of struggling with the question. I'm like, but what you do, you give you gave me hope. You give other people yeah. hope. So can you tell us a little about what you do for veterans? So I belong to uh, Operation Adopt a Soldier, which is an organi- organization uh, found by Denise Wolf. And uh, again, Denise is a friend of mine, um, obviously, because I work with her. She is awesome. Um, she's the mother of um, a veteran and the wife of a veteran. And uh, between Denise, myself, and uh, Dr. Ann Skopek, who's out of the Cape, um, also the mother of a uh, veteran, um, Denise found this organization, and it's basically to help homeless veterans um, that um, uh, are in the shelters, maybe living on the street. And um, when the VA places them into a, um, a house, um, they'll call us and we try to furnish it as much as possible with whatever it is that we need. So, um, you know, and <clears throat> I would have to say, excuse me, uh, when you go and you do something, and everybody knows this, um, it, we've all experienced it. When you go and you do something good for someone else, yeah, it's a cliche, so to speak, but you get back so much more. To see the smile on somebody's face that has been struggling or um, it's just, it's amazing. And so uh, when, when, you, 
when you begin to do those things um, and you focus on others, um, I don't know, life just, that that's what keeps me smiling. Um, and then, you know, at Christmas time, we help out military families and, um, you know, um, uh, parents that are away. And there's a lot of veterans struggling. There's a lot of PTSD. There's a lot of um, 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 substance abuse. Um, and um, obviously that's among everybody, but veterans also. And so... Um, yeah, we, we just try to um, do do our part. It's a very small organization. We yeah, again Operation Adopt Soldier dot org, um, and um, we just just try to help them. So we're all over. Like I have my little videos, you know, them cruising around. I got furniture in the back of the truck. We got dishes. We got linens. Um, it's awesome. It's great. And um, so those are the things that kind of keep me going. Um, and um, Obviously, people in recovery, recovery has worked well for me. I have my family. I have my boys. Uh, my my wife and my boys have never, ever seen me drunk, thank God. Um, and um, like you spoke earlier, parenting is, um, it, there's no manual. It's nothing. It's just uh, show up and do the best that you can. And if, uh, if you're feeling guilty because you've been an absent parent, you know, um, don't let that guilt hold you back. You know, continue to try to... Um, um, get yourself uh, clean, get yourself whatever. Um, and so you can be a part. It's always an opportunity to, uh, every day you wake up is a, is a new opportunity to, to begin on the right path. And so, I mean, I don't know. Does that, does that answer the question? That was a really good answer. Uh, yeah, okay. absolutely. All right. Um, so what do you have for me, Bill? All right. So um, I had a lot of questions. So obviously this is, um, hmm. This is, uh, I mean, you kind of said this earlier, but if you had a chance for a do-over in life, what would you do differently? Huh. I don't know. I, I, I don't know because I, that, that, that is, I guess, I guess the chance that I would, would do, all, I don't know. You know, I, I sometimes I tell myself, like, because uh, I had left uh, boot camp. I tore my ACL, and I had a chance to stay, and I left boot camp. And the reason why I left was because I was selling cocaine. But my whole goal to get into the military, I, I was going to get home port guarantee and then have my girlfriend ship me over cocaine at the time so I could sell um, cocaine in paradise and um, in the military. That was, like, my, my big goal. And uh, I ended up leaving. And I say, oh, you know, my biggest regret was not finishing in the military um, because my grandfather is retired. My uncle is retired. I, I have so many. I, I probably have 20 family members that have uh, gone through the military. But if I never left the military, I wouldn't have met my daughter's mother. So I wouldn't have met my daughter. Mm. Um, so I, I don't think I would do anything over. I really don't because I feel like now, now that my story is of survival and, and not of uh, defeat, that everything that's happened to me in my life has become a success story. Every day I'm, I'm writing a new chapter in my life. Um, so there, I mean, there, there are certain things like where as a, maybe, you know, back to this as a parent, I'm like, uh, you know, I wish I didn't say that or I wish, yeah. you know, I wish I didn't lose my cool. I could have, you know, really had this weekend different. 
but um, that that's just being imperfect, and that's judging myself. I mean, this weekend I had an awesome weekend. I made tents for my daughter and my two nieces, and <laughs> I, I'm crawling through them. And they named the street Seventh, uh, Eighth, and Ninth Street, and I'm like, and they're like, "This is Glitter Town," you know. So it was it was a very cool moment. Yeah, uh, reminded me of my childhood, and I I remember my my girlfriend. She has a picture of my daughter uh, on the fridge, and then her picture underneath and I and she goes do you know why I do that and I said no why she goes because I need to remind myself that I was a child one time too yeah and so it, it was a very cool weekend you know um I don't think I would do anything over uh you know certain moments yeah but uh nothing significant in my life because it's led me to this point yeah that's a good answer yeah I think if I, I, I and what I would say to that maybe if I could do anything over is um I, I, again I don't think we can uh, who we are today is because of what we've gone through. And so, but if I could go back, I would apologize to a lot of people. That's uh, what I would yeah, do. Yeah, that's actually, you know? Yeah. So, I, I, but I still, that's the thing is like, I'm still doing that to yeah. this day. You know, like run into people like, oh my, I, a uh, perfect story is I, I ripped off a, a drug dealer. Yeah. Um, but he was actually, he wasn't like, like this, like drug dealer, like that you, you don't talk to. Yeah. And, uh, I got sober. I was about a year and a half. I'm walking into my favorite restaurant and he's the cook. And I had that, <laughs> I had that thought in my head, man, I wish I could have done that one over because he's <laughs> probably back there spitting in my sweet potato fries at the time. And I was, I was so worried, you know, I'm yeah. like, I am going to find, and who knows what he did, but rightfully so. I, I ripped him off of a lot of money and a, a lot of drugs at the time. And, and, you know, I ran through his life like I did everyone else's. And uh, yeah. so those are, those are little regrets <laughs> where I'm like, you're the cook now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So I, I would say if, uh, if, uh, if you're out there, Facebook nation, and I've done you wrong at any point in my life, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, and if I could make it right, I would. Um, so maybe I just did. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, I am sorry. I, am, I truly am. Um, all right. So I think, um, what what time are we at? Um, what, 30? Oh, we got about six minutes left. And so. Um, so also, if uh, once again, if you guys want to call in or if you guys need help, you can call 1-888-415-9139. That's 1-888-415-9139. Or you can reach out to us on Facebook. I also have an Instagram, uh, return number two to recovery. Um, at Instagram, um, you can follow me there, direct message the page. Um, it has close to 10,000 followers and, and what we're trying to do is just, we want to release content. We want to give back. We want to, uh, and, and, oh, we also have the return to recovery Facebook page and eventually we will have, uh, I own, well, we own the .com now, um, because that's a new thing that I've learned is that I can own .coms. GoDaddy.com is. Oh, yeah. I don't know owner. if I can do that. Uh, yeah. One might have to block that one out. But that, yeah, that's what I use. I use GoDaddy.com to uh, purchase my websites. So it's uh, pretty cool. Oh, the other thing too is what, like I What's said, it, um, Zach. Oh, so uh, the Facebook page is Rock Bottom Number Two Recovery, um, and you can definitely find us on Facebook. Holbrook Cares Drop In Center. The the women of Holbrook Cares. Bill Farrell. Yeah, Bill Farrell. Zach, BF producer. Comedy. BF Comedy. Yes. BF Comedy. I'm going to plug my, I'm a comedian, actually, believe it or not. I'm not, I haven't been very funny here, to, but uh, don't judge me on that. Uh, well, because. if you guys could really see the glasses from the side, uh, the uh, flowery decor, yeah. it's actually pretty funny. I, yeah. I, I think it was go. a comedic satire. We'll go a little closer. Oh, very nice, isn't it? And it goes nice. Look at the color it goes with that 
that background there, that blurry background of the beach. So this is something that I, I think that we're both, both going to enjoy because we're going to be able to get in depth with each other and also the amazing people that we're going to have on the show. Yeah. Um, we have awesome people lined up. Zach has also given us the uh, five-minute countdown. Five minutes. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? Do you have a... Uh... Um, how did you start drinking? How did I? I, I was, what did you start with? Let's go there. I so I was 16 years old and I was 17 years old and um, I was working at Dunkin' Donuts and um, I had just visited my cousins for the first time in 10 years. I hadn't seen them and my cousins asking. She's like, "Have you? You know, we we started talking about drinking and she's like, "Have you ever?" And I said, "No, I've never even I've never gotten drunk." And she's like, "Oh my, you know, she she was flipping out. She couldn't believe it." And so she shows up to my work one night and she's like. Um, you know, when you punch out, we're going to get you drunk tonight. And so, you know, we're in this, like, little white Beetle car, her and her friend and me in the back seat, and we're just driving around. And um, I drank eight cores light that night and passed out. <laughs> uh, but that eight cores light led into 10 years of very, very hard addiction, sleeping in the back of cars, uh, sleeping on couch surfing. Um, one time, I, I believe I had sepsis where, like, you know, because of using drugs, uh, my body was completely constipated. I ripped the lining of my intestines, and I was puking up black bile. I was just, a, I was a mess. You know, the the best it got um, when I was drinking, I, I remember specifically uh, my blackouts. Well, yeah. not my blackouts, but waking up out of the blackouts because every time I woke up out of a blackout, I was always peeing on something I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. explaining to them that I am using the bathroom, <laughs> like my grandmother's wall, uh, my friend's living room right in front of his TV. Yeah pantries you know i i, I was uh, one of those guys that would you know pee anywhere i could yeah been there done that uh we have three minutes left so uh if i have uh if i personally have peed on something that you won't and i know there's a few out there i apologize because so, i have um i've so, been down that road <laughs> so so like i say we have we have some great guests yeah. um we have uh next week we're gonna have matt ganham he is the director um of banyan massachusetts will matt be coming in matt's gonna be coming oh, in that's um, nice we also have a lady uh shannon egan um she wrote a, a book um called uh what I'm gonna mess this up. She is she is a book author. She uh, no tourists allowed, um, and it's a book on recovery. It's a book on her going out to Sudan um, and, and actually going out there while they were having civil war and and teaching. You know that was her thing, and now she is a recovery advocate uh, based out of Utah. Uh, I've spoken to her personally. She is an amazing figure. Um, she does these things too as well called cosplay, which is. Uh, I don't have the exact definition, but like you, if you saw her Instagram, um, it's amazing because she dresses up like all kinds of superheroes and 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 okay. fictional characters, and um, it, it's absolutely amazing. So we're going to have guests like this, uh, Rainbow Mars, who um, she used to be the global ambassador for Adidas, wow. um, but she does um, uh, educational yoga videos now uh, that is worldwide. Okay, and so uh, we're going to touch on a lot of yeah. things, I, and um, also too. I, we, I obviously um, am, re am reaching out to different people. So, uh, but what we really want to do is, uh, if you're in recovery, um, message us. Find that way to message Shane, myself, or whatever. And if you have something to share, bring it to us. Let us know so we can. Um, <coughs> we just uh, we also want to thank everyone for listening. To yeah. 
the Rock Bottom to Recovery podcast. Yep. And, and just giving us your time and attention. Yeah, we do. Um, did we keep it, uh, Zach, what did we keep it down to? How much time? 40 minutes? 45? All right, not bad. Yeah, that's awesome. Minutes. That was a good show. So, um, again, we'll say Rock, body to, rock Bottom to Recovery, uh, numbers 188-415-9139, and um, stay with us and uh, join us, share us. Um, so, and my once again, I'm I'm Shane Johnson, I'm a person in long term recovery. Bill Farrell, also in recovery, and, and we wanting do. to help people in recovery. Uh, yeah, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. Okay, thanks, guys. Have a good day.